Well, good morning. It's good to be back. And the the meeting we would have after church service, if you have a chance to stay, would be on the the seal of God and the latter rain. How are they kind of connected? And we're getting very, very close of what we need to do to receive the latter rain, to receive the seal of God, and then probation can close and we can go home. And so there's just some... I think some very clear statements in the Bible, Spirit of Prophecy, that helps us give a framework, and we just would work off that, get some thoughts, have a discussion, or whatever you'd like to have. But uh, this morning, we're going to focus a little bit more on mental health uh, and talk about our thoughts. And before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, you are, you have wonderfully made us, and we're so thankful that you have made us in such a way in which we can be converted, we can be renewed. Our thoughts, our feelings, our perspectives can all be new. And Father, we want them to be in agreement with your all-together lovely character. And so, Father, as we go through this sermon, we just pray for the Holy Spirit to guide each mind, each heart heavenward. Help us understand what you have for us in these verses. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and begin with the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. This is one of the most beautiful scenes in the Bible. The book of Matthew, chapter 22. And uh, and we'll, we'll actually begin with verse 34. And we'll go through verse 38. Matthew, chapter 22. Begin with verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him, asked Jesus a question, tempting him and saying, Master, what or which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and the great commandment. Now, he asked with a little different intentions. But I want you to place yourself in a situation where you have the opportunity to ask a question to Jesus. And you realize that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the creator of heaven and earth, the sustainer of the universe. And let's assume you ask the same question, and there really isn't any greater question. It's just to ask it from the right motive. And imagine yourself asking Jesus, what is the great commandment in the law? What is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest thing really ultimately about life that, that has to do with the law? It has to do with order and harmony and peace. What's the greatest thing? And wouldn't you just be anticipating and waiting for the answer? And if Jesus then said to you that the greatest thing that you could think about, the greatest commandment, the greatest thing is to love God with all your heart. And to love God with all your soul. And to love God with all your mind. Meaning that you would love God with all your mind, with all your 
thoughts. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. That is what life's about. It's the greatest thing you could possibly do in life. Is to love God with all your thoughts. Isn't that something? Now, what would that include? And I'm going to throw out something that I don't think it would include. And I think you would agree. What if you dwelled upon unkindnesses and mistreatments you've experienced in life? Would that be loving God with all your thoughts? No, it really wouldn't. And yet how easy it is for us to gravitate thinking about what people have done to us. And yet the greatest thing you and I can do is to love God with all our mind, with all our thoughts. What if you kept thinking about your own failures and you kept reliving your failures and your disappointments, all the, what if I had just done that? And you keep thinking about it and thinking about it. Are you loving God with all your mind? No. And yet the greatest thing you could do, that the Savior of the world tells us that we could do, you want to do the greatest thing? Love God with all your mind. Love God with all your thoughts. You know, when we think about negative thoughts, when we think about our disappointments, what does it do to us? It draws us down, doesn't it? Does it zap your energy? Does it keep you from doing all the positive things you really, really want to do? It does. It zaps your energies. Because that, that negativism, Thinking and rehearsing all the disappointments, all the failures, and what people have done, just it just kills your energy. And it affects your thoughts. It affects your mind. And it keeps you from doing the greatest thing you could possibly do in life. You know, we, we are the only world where people don't love God with all their mind. Do you realize that all the other worlds, these unfallen worlds, every thought, every emotion... They love God with all their thoughts, all their mind. What a beautiful world. And then you look at the mess of our world. Wow, the thoughts of humanity, this fallen world, it's absolutely tragic. I want us to look at a verse that's going to tell us, I believe, how to think and love God with all our mind. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. We've read it many, many times. But Philippians 4, verse 8, and of course there'd be Many other verses in the Bible. But this is a really, really good one. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. And Paul says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, and that will be our focus this morning, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, do what? Think upon these things. Because if you think about these things, you'll be loving God with all your mind. Is that true? I mean, if you just put those two verses together, if and we're just going to take part of it. We don't have time to cover all of Philippians 4.8. But I want us to focus on believing and thinking about only that which is true. Now, to me, that's going to include more than just believing the truth, like doctrine. It would also be believing in things that are just simply real. You know, sometimes we can have thoughts that God doesn't love me. Is that true or false? You see, when we think things like, God's not going to help me, God doesn't love me, God hasn't forgiven me, 
These are things that simply aren't true. These are things that aren't real. And you start thinking about your thoughts and your emotions. When you keep thinking about things that aren't really real and true, it affects your life. But what if you only thought about what's true about God? What if we only thought about what's true even about other people and their motives? Have you ever had thought something not true about somebody else? You know, imagine what it does to our thinking. So to worship God with all our mind, to worship him with our thoughts means you're going to worship him and only think about those things that are are true, things that are real. Now, before we look at that, I want to just give some statistics about thinking. It's estimated that we have about 10,000 to 70,000 thoughts per day. Now, some people say, oh, it's 10,000, 70,000 is just too many. And there's some people that say 70,000 is just a drop in a bucket. But of those 70,000 thoughts, how many are true? That's a fair question, isn't it? You have that many thoughts? How many are true? How many are not true? Research at Cornell University estimated we have 226.7 decisions each day on food alone. And as you, as your level of responsibility increases, so does the multitude of your choices you have to make. It's estimated that the average adult makes 35,000 remotely conscious decisions each day. Now the brain is fully capable of many, many more thoughts or decisions. Many, most of which we're not aware of because of our unconscious mind keeping us breathing and everything regulated in the body. Imagine our mind. Listen to this statistic. If the human brain were a computer, it could perform 38,000 trillion operations per second. You imagine that? 38,000 trillion. I don't even know what that number looks like. Operations per second. The world's most powerful supercomputer, Blue Gene, can manage only 0.002% of that. I mean, our brain is absolutely fantastic. And you think of the capability of all the thoughts we can have in a day. And imagine if you had 70,000 thoughts and they were all true and they were all pure. Wow, what a life. Who's lived that life? Jesus did. Do you imagine that Jesus... All his thoughts were true. All his thoughts were pure. Which is why exactly he lived a what? A sinless life. Isn't that right? Now, 98% of your thoughts are the same thoughts you had yesterday, they say. Because you were basically doing kind of the same things. But it does mean that there's 2%, and it can be more than that. We can have 2% change in our thinking, but if we keep studying the Bible and we keep making better decisions, our thoughts are going to change, right? We keep changing. I mean, imagine changing by 2% a day. That's not small. If you can have 2% different thoughts today than yesterday, and they were all pure, imagine the direction we're going. And that's that's, that's what's important, right? We're not going to become like Jesus completely in one day. But if the thoughts, the 2% different thoughts you could have every day makes you more like Jesus, wow, we're moving forward. 
And that's what we really need to think about and get rid of the thoughts that aren't true. Now, here's a statistic that I didn't want to believe. And I tried to find statistics that completely demolished this. But it, 60 to 80% of our thoughts tend to be on the negative side. That's 40,000 plus negative thoughts a day. So you start thinking about maybe thoughts that are negative, like criticism you have at home, criticism that you have at church, criticism you might have at work, wondering if you did a good enough job. These are all tend towards what? Negativity. What if somebody still likes me or not or has confidence in me as, as much? Worried about things may not turn out right. My children, my job, different kinds of things. You, you worry about these things. Tribalism, things I just grew up thinking about certain people, which isn't even true, is a part of negativity. Gossip, you hear any gossip? I've never heard gossip on a positive side. Do you know that Jim is a really nice guy? I mean, who hears gossip like that, right? And so it's generally on the negative side. Think about our current political environment. Is 80% of it negative? Oh, easily 80%, if not near 100%. It's almost 100% negative, our current political environment. And so we're surrounded by it. And no wonder 60-80% of our thoughts can tend toward negativity. Think of Jesus and the Pharisees. How did the Pharisees think about Jesus, positive or negative? 80% negative? Absolutely. What did that 80% negativity of thinking about Jesus lead them to do? To crucify Christ. Wow. This really has an impact, doesn't it? It really does matter how I think. And I have a whole lot of thoughts every day. 70,000 thoughts a day. And if it tends towards negativity, I gotta, I gotta fix that. And the best way to fix that is to only believe that which is, is true. To believe only that which is true. Now, many of the thoughts we have come from our emotions. Emotions generate thoughts and vice versa. Thoughts generate emotions. But if you feel angry right now, your thoughts could be positive or negative. What if you have fear about something right now? Positive or negative? Negative. Sadness? You know, think how often people feel angry, sad, or have fear in our culture. On a daily, weekly basis. And now it's not really so hard to think in terms of 60 to 80% of our thoughts actually being negative. And you know, friends, that's the world we live in. We live in a world where people's thoughts are nearly 80% negative. And we're trying to prepare for a world in which it's 100% positive. We live in a world in which most of what people believe really isn't what? True. But we're preparing for a world in which everything is true. Which means we have to enter into this war about our thoughts. And we personally need to know what's true. Because it's going to affect the way we think and our preparation for heaven. Now, I talked about some negative things like, see that? 80% negative. I mean, it sounds like 80% of your sermon's been negative so far. 
But think about positive words. Instead of, you know, anger and sadness and, and fear, we had thoughts like that had to do with joy and encouragement and trust. What if you just exchanged the three negative words for three positive words? What if you thought about things that were joyful and encouraging and truthful? It changes our thinking, doesn't it? It, cha- it changes our preparation for heaven. It changes our environment, our world. And one of the biggest words we could put into this list would simply be the word forgiveness. If I have a forgiving spirit, are my thoughts more positive or negative? More positive. If I have a forgiving spirit, am I able to see things more as true or false? True. If I have an unforgiving spirit, I am more inclined to see things that simply aren't real. And I imagine the worst. And therefore, I can't love God with all my mind. See how serious this is? We have to receive from above God's love, his forgiving spirit, his joy, his peace, just so we can stop thinking 60, 80% of the time negative thoughts so that we can move forward and worship God with all our mind. Now, Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, the way the world what? Thinks. But be transformed by the renewing of your, your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The only way to have a renewed mind, and a renewed mind would be thinking about that which is true and lovely and honest, right? And only when you're beginning to think in that direction would you be able to determine what is the perfect and acceptable will of God. If I continue to think negative thoughts and things that aren't true, how do I understand God's will with that kind of mindset? The only way I'm going to truly understand who God is and his will is to simply make sure that my mind is thinking about what is true. And so the Holy Spirit is saying, Jeff, stop thinking about things that aren't true anymore. True about other people. True about God. Only think about what's true. And it's going to change your thinking. It will change your life. It's going to prepare you for heaven. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. For to be cardinally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Those are two different kinds of mindsets. The cardinal mind really ultimately doesn't believe in what is true. The cardinal mind only wants to believe in what it it wants to believe. Isn't that right? But the spiritual mind is open to be instructed by God to see things as they, they really are. To allow the mind to be renewed. And it goes on and says, because we, because the cardinally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the cardinal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And yet to keep the law in our opening verse, to love God with all your, what's the great commandment? Love God with all your mind. This is the first and great what? Commandment. This is how you wind up keeping the law. It's not possible to keep the law if our mind doesn't focus on what's true. 
and to love God with all our mind. Only when we love God with all our mind and think about what's true can we ultimately even desire to keep God's law. Isn't that right? So, when it comes to those 70,000 thoughts a day, 70,000 thoughts, if I think about what's truth and what's real, then I'm loving God. So when it comes to the mind, we must ask ourselves, when we hear something or read something, is it truth? Is it real? So a person comes to you and says, God must not care about me because this happened. True or false? How many people think that way? How many people have ever thought that way? And if you think something like that, that's not true because God does love all of us equally. But in your mind, if you believe something that's not true, like God doesn't care about you, where are you going to go? What's going to happen to your thinking? How do we prepare for heaven? Believing something like that, that is so, so untrue. Someone says, God can't forgive me. I've sinned too many times. True or false? Absolutely false. How many people feel that way? They're believing something that's not true. and affects their whole life. God's not going to help me. I'm on my own. How many people live that way, think that way? We do and plan without God because we figure, I'm kind of on my own anyway. God's not going to help me with this. True or false? No, God wants to help you. Imagine that kind of thinking, believing something that is simply, it isn't true. So, we read a little bit about Job today. In Sabbath school. Was it in Sabbath school? Anyway. Yeah, it was in Sabbath school. He lost everything. And the people encouraged him to do what? Curse God as if God what? Didn't love him. Didn't care about him. But Job knew what? God is pure. God is true. God is good. And do you know that that thought, believing what's true, was the difference between him and everybody else in that story? Isn't that right? And isn't a Job an example of all the of us, all of us, at the way we have to think in the end of time? We have to think of like Job thought after losing everything and not think at all like the other people because the way they believed, they believed in things that weren't even true. And they're telling Job to curse God? You see where wrong thinking takes us? Did God care about the Hebrews while they were enslaved in Egypt? Did he hear their cries as they prayed above? But God had a timing. You could be going through a difficult time and think that God's not hearing you, doesn't care. Is that true? No, it's not true. God does hear. God does care. God also has a perfect timing. God also has a plan. We don't understand the plan. We may not see any of it until it happens. And we say, oh, now I know why. Now I understand why you allowed that to happen. You don't see it while you're going through it. But if you believe in what's true, that God is love. 
God is ever-present. God is with me still. Can you, can you see that that kind of thinking about believing what's actually true is what gets you through the tough times? And what the devil wants us to do is believe things that simply aren't true to destroy our faith. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all your care upon him, for he he careth for you. Because that's what? It's true. It is true. If it wasn't true, it wouldn't be in the Bible. If God really didn't care, this verse wouldn't be there. God does care. And that will always be true. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that true? But you know how many people don't believe in that? They don't believe it's not true. They confess their sins, but they don't still feel like they're forgiven. Because sometimes we base what we believe on our emotions. It must be true because I I feel this way. But how often are our emotions really not true? How you feel about person A or person B or situation A or situation B, you feel this way, but because you feel that way, is that true? No. Here are four facts that tell us the truth about God. Number one, Psalm 139, verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. One of the facts about God is that how did he make us? Wonderfully. Now, we talked a little bit about last Sabbath, about if you tied all the DNA in our cells end to end, It would reach across what? The solar system. We are so wonderfully made. We we just read about the mind, what was it, 10,000 trillion possible thoughts a second? That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And here's the thing. If we are that wonderfully made, God put that kind of science in us, Will he not take care of us? Is that true? Is that a true way of looking at things? You ever meet people who thought they were worthless? Is that true? Absolutely not. Everybody is wonderfully made. Number two, 2 Timothy 1.9. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling... Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God not only made us in a wonderful way, he has done what? He has called everybody to a holy purpose. Is that true? So are there people who think, well, God doesn't have a work for me to do? Are there people that think that way? They think that way right in the church. And yet the truth is, God has a high calling for everybody in the church. Everybody in the world, God had a passion, an idea to fulfill some special ministry. Whether it was the 
make happy one person or a million people doesn't matter. The numbers don't matter. What matters is that every, every one of us is called to a high calling to make a, a difference, a positive difference in the life of one or more people. And yet, how many people in our world kind of go around aimlessly, spiritually, as if God called them to nothing? Are they thinking about what's true? Absolutely not. Imagine if everybody thought what's true just so far. God has made every human being wonderfully. Right there would make us look differently of people of different faith and ethnicities and socioeconomic statuses. It changed everything because every human being is wonderfully made. Every human being has a what? High calling. God has a purpose. And you know something? That's true. Think of how many false ideas people have and they go to war against people and they kill each other. True or false? False thinking. Terrible, demonic, satanic thinking. 2 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. Now there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversity of operations, but it's the same God, which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. That God has gifted how many people? Everybody, everybody has a gift. Everybody has a talent. Is that true? It's absolutely true. How many people sit in our church feel like they have no gift or talent? It's a huge number of our people. Is it true? No. And the work of the church is to help everybody find that gift, that talent, so that every part of the body is doing what? It's working. You don't just want an eye that works. You want your feet to work. You want your ears to work. You want every part of this body working because that's body life. That's how everything becomes healthy. Because you know, friends, that's what's true. And when the church doesn't do its part, when we as members don't do our part, that's not true. That's false. What's true is that everybody has that talent and that gift to make everything work together. And that's when you have peace and harmony and everything else because that's the way God made it. And that's true. And we just got to start living the truth. We've got to help one another find those areas of ministry where we can make a difference. Number four, Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? You wind up in prison. Does God still love you? You may not think he does because you wound up in prison. And that's false thinking. You lost your job. God must not love me. False or true? It's false. God will always love you. His thoughts of yours is the sand of the sea. You may not think it because something happened in your life. But if you start thinking that God doesn't love me, that is what? It's false thinking. And where does that false thinking take us? 
Wow. You imagine whatsoever things are true. Think upon these things. And it's going to make a difference. Number five, Matthew chapter 28, verse 4. Oh, I told you four facts, and I wrote down a fifth one. I lied. I'm sorry. It wasn't true. There's a fifth one here. Matthew 28, verse 20. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Is that a true statement? Is he with us even now? Amen. Will he ever leave you? Will there be a time he's not with you? Absolutely not. I mean, if he wasn't with you, you'd be dead because he keeps your heart beating. He sustains the universe. All things consist by him, is what the Bible says in Colossians. Which means our pulse is going, our heart is throbbing, everything is working because God is, he's present. He knows everything. So, in this next little section, I want us to focus, talk about focusing on that, which is true. And I want to share a little statement, I don't remember who said it. But the person said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. Isn't that a beautiful statement? Because the tendency is to go back and look at the, the past, the past. So don't worry about what if I had done this or done that. The past is what? It's history. And currently, it's not even what's true. Because what's true is the present. You can't relive the past. You can't change the past. you got to leave it go. you just got to move forward, right? Different thoughts, different aspirations, a new heart, a renewed mind. Living in the past is not real. Living in the past is not true. Today's opportunities are true. The opportunities you have today are true. And if you grasp the opportunities of today, will it be true that you'll be better able to grasp the opportunities of tomorrow? But if I'm living in the past, what have I done for today? I've robbed myself of the opportunities today, which are real. And by missing out on those, I've robbed myself of tomorrow. And all its opportunities to take steps in becoming more like Jesus. And if I live in the past, what am I doing with God in the present? Does that make sense? If God is with us right now, and my mind is reliving the past, then I'm really not worshiping God in the present. Does that make sense? To worship God with all my mind in the present is to allow the past to go. I can learn from the past, but i got to grasp the presence because that's the only thing right now, presently, that's true. And from here, I can move forward. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And how do you love God? With all your mind, all your thoughts. To them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate 
to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Is it true that God can take the things that have negatively happened in the past and bring good out of them? Is it true? Yes, it's true. (laughs) And that's how we can be blessed from the past. We can learn mistakes from the past without dwelling on the past. Trying to not relive the past. Embrace the present. But believing that whatever has happened, God can bring what? Good out of it. Is that true? That is so true. But it's not how we often think. But it is the way we need to think. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down what? Imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You cast down all these imaginations because they're not what? They're just not true. And you bring your thoughts in captivity to the obedience of Christ because that's what's what? That's what's true. And so when you study your Bible and the spirit of prophecy, you're looking for truth. You're looking about what's true about life. Because certainly there's death. There's a truth about death. And there's a way that we kill ourselves every day by our thinking and eating and this and that. But we don't want death. We want life. And you want to start thinking about what brings about life, what brings about spiritual life, because that ultimately is what's true. But that means I've got to cast down my imaginations, what's in my mind, that really isn't true about this person or about God. And i got to focus on the truth. What's really true? So much of the thinking today is about where I wish I was. What I want to have. What I could have done. Or should have done. But that kind of thinking is what? It's not real. It's negative and it's not real. I mean, if I think about where I wish I were, but I'm not. I'm not there. It's not true. I'm not there. I'm here. i got to think about where the truth is. Where am I really at right now? Not where I wish I were. But where am I? Because where I am, I can now go from here to where I know where God wants me. But I can't go back and start thinking about where I wish I were or who I wish I was. Because it's not true. What's true is where I am today. Where I'm at right now. And what God wants to do in my life right now to move me forward. That's real. People say, you know, ask the great questions. Who am I? Where did I come from? You know, I almost never like reading about that stuff because it's all evolutionary mostly. But who am I? What's real? How do you answer that? How do you honestly answer who am I? Who are you? A child of God. And more specifically, you are a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. 
That's specific. Because that means you believe in certain things and a certain lifestyle, and that's that's real. And what's real is God chose to raise up such a people who believe such a way and live such a way because that's reality. God is in that work. And that's who you are. That's real. Number two, where did I come from? We came from being created in God's image. That is what? That's true. That's real. I didn't come from a monkey. I didn't come from some little simple organism that evolved because that's what? It's just false. It's not true. It simply isn't true. And imagine when people believe that, what it does to their thinking. It makes them less responsible because, well, after all, I just came from some simple organism. I have no accountability. Because everything's great. There would be no absolutes in that kind of a world. But if you're created in God's image, there is accountability if you're created in God's image. What a special revelation. That's where we're from. Why am I here? What's the truth? Why are we here? What's actually true? Why am I here? To serve God with all my heart, mind, and soul and my fellow man as myself, right? Isn't isn't it really all about service? And yet people live a life where the reason I'm here is to get money or fame or this or that. But you know something? That's not real. It's false. It isn't why God created us in in his image. He didn't create us in his image to be wealthy. Not in the things of a world that's going to fall apart. That's false thinking. What's true is that we're Seventh-day Adventist Christians. What's true is we were created in God's image. What's true is that God made us to serve our fellow man, to make a difference. That's what's true. Where am I going? What's true? Home. Heaven. Right? That is true. And if we follow all these other things, that will be true. And that's what becomes important. I want to share another thought. We have a few minutes, right? Is that? Okay. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Philippians 3, chapter, chapter 3 of Philippians, verses 12 through 15. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, But I follow after, if that I may apprehend for that which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, and here's the emphasis, forgetting those things which were behind, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things that are before, I do what? I press towards the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus what? Minded. Wow. What would be true? How would I worship God with all my mind? All my thoughts? Is forgetting those things that are past and doing what? Pressing forward. Right? That's true. That has to be true in our life. I want you to think about people like Joseph. He was sold by his brothers. He was thrown in a pit. 
His brother sold him to slavery. But you know what he did? Forgetting those things that are behind. And what did he do? He pressed forward. He's in Potiphar's house. He's accused of adultery. He's thrown into prison. And while he's in prison, he did what? Forgetting those things that are past. And he kept pressing forward to be the best imprisoned person there was in history. Did it make a difference how he thought? Did it make a difference that he forgot what was past? So that he could do press forward. What I find interesting is that he had two sons that explain this verse. His first son was Manassas, which means one who causes to forget, and Ephraim, which means fruitful. Isn't that interesting? He was fruitful because he was able to forget what had happened in the past so he could move forward and be fruitful. Because what kills our fruit is not let going of the past. It destroys our fruit. So to forget the past. Forgive those who've done us harm. We focus on the present opportunities to glorify God. And you follow after excellence. That's, that's, that's what Joseph did. He forgot what people had done to him. He focused on the present opportunities, which is true. Because that's the truth. That's where he was. But he focused on being the best he could be the rest of his life, wherever he was. And you know, friends, that's true. It's really the only way to live. You got to let go of the past, all its failures and everything. Live in the present, all its opportunities, and do the best you can. Be fruitful where you are right now. Whether you're employed or unemployed, whether you're a student or whatever you are, young or old, you be the best person because that, my friends, is real. And that is truth. Grow where God has planted you. You know, I look at some of the, the lives of many of the, the greats of the Bible. And Abraham, thinking about growing, thinking about moving forward, Abraham lived a life where he lived the rest of his life in a tent, moving where? From place to place, wherever God would lead him. He left what? Or he left what was behind to just go where God was going to guide him. Was he blessed? Was he fruitful? Absolutely. Moses wasn't allowed to enter the promised land, but you know, he continued to serve God to the day he what? To the day he died. And you know what he forgot to be used of God? He forgot all the things he'd learned in Egypt. To be retrained by God to do those things that are true. Because the way he was trained to be in an Egyptian general was what? It was false. It's not the way to live. It's not the way to think. God had to retrain his thinking to use him to be fruitful. Samuel was a great prophet, and yet the people wanted what? They wanted a king. They didn't want Samuel to be the spokesperson to the people. They said, no, we want a king like everybody else. And what did Samuel do? He continued to be a prophet of God. He kept pressing forward. 
David, he wasn't allowed to build the temple. But you know what he did? He pressed forward. He couldn't build the temple, but you know, he could have the plans. He could gather all the materials. He kept pressing forward. He was fruitful. Paul wound up in prison. Did he minister in prison? Did he stop ministering? No. He just accepted what's true. I'm in prison, but he's still a what? Child of God. He's still an apostle of Jesus Christ. So what did he do? He wrote his epistles that are blessing us to this very day. He kept what? Moving forward. John was on Patmos, imprisoned. And yet what happens? Receives the book of Revelation. Continues to minister. Jesus is hanging on the cross. And he says what? It's finished. He did everything he was supposed to do. And God has an idea for everybody in this room that's true. There's something he wants you to do so at the end of your life you could say, it's finished. I've done what God wanted me to do because I focus on what is true. I didn't follow what's false about the things of the world and the, all the ideas of the world. No, I only focus on what's true. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist Christian created in God's image. Everybody's gifted. Everybody's got a purpose. Focus on my present responsibilities and opportunities and just keep doing what? Pressing on. What else are you going to do? And let's finish with this last verse because I think it will be an important aspect to it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Instead of focusing on the past, we shouldn't also do what? Worry about the future. (laughs) Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought of the things itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What's true? That you can only ultimately take one day at a time, right? Day by day. You know, I wound up getting on the internet and I looked up what was the largest fruit in the world. It is a 2,624 pound mammoth pumpkin. And you say, what does this have to do with a sermon? Well, let me ask you a question. How do you eat a 2,624-pound mammoth pumpkin? One bite at a time, right? Because that's real. You can't eat the whole thing at once, right? It's not real. You can only eat it one bite at a time. Because that's that's real. And that's the way life is. You take it one step at a time. You don't relive the past. And you don't try to predict the future. You can have plans. And then you lay those plans at Jesus' feet and say, okay, here's plan A for me. This is how I think. But Father, you have the right to completely wipe out my plans and change it, alter them, whatever. I just want to do what your plan is. But he does want us to plan. He does want us to think, but he doesn't want us to predict the future. He doesn't want us to live and worry about tomorrow because he's already taken care of tomorrow. Is that true? It is true. 
Because all you can do today is take one step at a time and trust God and believe what's true about God. So we, when do we make our first, when do we make our plans for tomorrow? Because when is tomorrow? It's tonight. Isn't that interesting? That sometimes our days become so frustrated because we don't think about tomorrow until tomorrow. But tomorrow's actually tonight. And if we actually thought in a more biblical way, not that you're all stressed out tonight thinking about tomorrow, but if we just made some simple plans, maybe our, the food we're going to have for lunch, our clothes are laid out, we have a little bit of idea of what we're going to try to do, so that when I wake up in the morning, it's not like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then you don't have any worship time. And then you forget something. And how does that affect your day? It turns into a disaster. So tomorrow starts tonight. And if you just take a little bit of time, not that it keeps you up late at night thinking about it, but just think a little bit about tomorrow, what you want to accomplish, and just get a few things out, so that in the morning, you can start your day off with God. Everything's a lot more peaceful. You start off right. Does that make sense? You have a plan. You make everything a matter of prayer. You have this mindset that you're going to move forward. You're going to live in the present. You're going to live in what's true. Take those steps and trust God that will supply everything that you need. Is that true? So let me just close with this thought. A lot of what we get concerned about about tomorrow is we worry about tomorrow. We can worry about tomorrow based on finances, based on raising our children, based on aging, illness, suffering. And we sometimes call that forward worrying. Forward worrying. But is it true? If I'm worried about my children, about tomorrow, I've already taken from today... And being the best parent I can be today. Because I'm borrowing, worrying, forward worrying for tomorrow. The best way my child, the best day he's going to have tomorrow is to be, to be 100% focused on being a parent today. Does that make sense? Because that's, that's real. And worrying about tomorrow is not real. There's nothing you do about it except believe in God. And you be the best person you can be today because that's real. And that's how you become more like Jesus Christ. And that's how you get rid of 60, 80 percent of those negative thoughts. And they turn into positive thoughts. And those two percent of new thoughts you can have every day. And I'm not saying you can't have more. But on an average, 98 percent of your thoughts today were ones you had yesterday. But two percent's a lot. To have new thoughts, if you really think about it. What kind of new thoughts do you want? To be a better person today and prepared for tomorrow. Is that a fair question? What would you and I do? Well, in closing, you take this word. What would you do with this word? To have 2% better thoughts tomorrow. Just step by step growing in Christ. What's true about this word to affect my thinking? Well, what's true is that if I were to memorize some scripture, 
Would I have a more real idea about who God is? What if I took this and I not only memorized some scriptures, but what if I meditated upon what I read? I didn't just read it. I thought about what I was reading. Would that change my thinking? Would it be more real? Would it be more positive? Would I have more faith? And then what if I took time with this word, number three, not just memorize some scripture, not just meditate, but I thought about applying this word to my life and says, you know, this isn't here just for me to get right answers on a test. It's about what's real. It's about life. And if I were to take with the truths of God's word and implement them in my life, then it's going to help me to think about loving God with all my mind and loving God with all my thoughts. And all those things and whatsoever things are true, think upon these things. Before we have our closing prayer, we have a closing hymn. And number, is it 462? Number 462. Let's go ahead and stand with our closing song. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Brilliant song for this sermon.
Our Father in heaven, submitting ourselves to you is how we discover what is true. Praising you all day long is something we should truthfully in reality do. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy to have a people who believe in all that you have said and all that you have done. To follow you with all their heart, mind, and soul. So, Father, we just ask that the Holy Spirit, that when our thoughts move from what's not true, to bring us back to what's true. Educate us, Father, each and every day in that school of Christ to renew our thoughts, to change our lives, to make us preparatory for the soon return of your Son. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.